Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, and what it all means. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, a seminary student and intern with Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas. uh, Gage, does the world need another podcast? I mean, there's no shortage of great podcasts for Christians, so why this one? Or maybe better, why are we calling this show Assurance of Pardon? So the, the idea uh, is kind of twofold. The, the first thing is, um, as Presbyterians, we fall under uh, what's called the Reformed camp, right? The Reformed theology uh, perspective of Christianity. Um, and in the South, um, where a lot uh, of churches on every corner are mostly Baptist, right? Um, right. Or non-denominational nowadays, even. Um, when we tell people, at least this is my experience in Conway, when I say I go to a Presbyterian church, they kind of look at me like I have a horn growing out of my head. They don't really understand what that means, right? Or, you know, okay, so how is that different than church by the wayside down the street? Um, but Reformed theology is distinctly different. Um, and uh, we do things the way that we do them in a certain way because we believe a certain way. Um, and uh, we think we're actually saying something different than our uh, evangelical brothers and sisters, uh, and that it matters that we're saying things different. And so we, we wanted to kind of develop this podcast um, to give a chance to talk about Reformed theology. What is it? Why does it matter? What are we saying? Why do we do the things that we do every single week? Um, from things like liturgy to baptizing babies to, to communion every week instead of quarterly, things like that. Um, and then the, the second idea, assurance of pardon actually comes from a section in our liturgy at Christ Church Conway. Um, the idea is that because of the finished work of Christ, you actually are assured your pardon. You actually really are forgiven. You're not working towards forgiveness. You're not hoping one day to maybe do enough to please the Lord so that you will be forgiven, or I need to be doing enough to make sure I don't lose my forgiveness. Um, it's it's completely resting on Christ, his perfect uh, righteousness, his completion of the law and the way that he lived, the die, dying in our place, the death that we deserve, the raising from the dead, um, guaranteeing our salvation and his victory there. Um, all the that guarantees assurance. So then you can hear how you live in light of the gospel only after you understand that you're forgiven. Yeah, let me let me unpack that a little bit more too. Um, we've, we're calling it assurance of pardon because we think that everything in the Christian life hinges on that fact all by itself, that I am forgiven of my sins, not because of anything good that I've done, but because of what Jesus has done in my place. And if we don't get that, uh, what we tend to think is that we tend to think that I'm saved by Jesus 
but I'm kept saved by my own obedience. And I, I, I'll never forget uh, the theologian Michael Horton, who's been incredibly helpful for me, says to think that you're saved by Jesus and then kept saved by your own obedience, that's not the gospel. That's 90 days, same as cash. It, we, we just we just went to Best Buy. And when you go to Best Buy, you'll see signs that say 90 days, same as cash. Come get a big screen TV. Uh, you don't have any cash. You have 90 days to start washer and dryer and a stereo and take it home and enjoy it. But in 90 days, those bills are going to start coming due. And if you don't start sending us some money, then some guys from Best Buy are going to show up with a truck and they're going to take that back and you're going to lose it. Um, that's... That is sadly the way that many, many people believe the Christian life works, that I was saved by Jesus. He paid the cover charge, but I've got to start really, really kicking in some stuff if I want to maintain this salvation. And what we are saying is that that is a means, that viewpoint will lead you to despair. Well, it really leads you to two things. It leads to pride uh, really thinking that I'm really cutting it, that I'm I'm towing it, that I'm keeping this whole thing afloat because of how good I am. It either leads to pride or it leads to despair or a little bit of mix of both. I may be externally very prideful and look down my nose at people uh, that, that aren't doing as well as I'm doing. Uh, or when I put my head on my pillow at night and I am confronted with the fact i remember the fact that i did not love the lord with all my heart soul mind and strength I didn't I didn't, enough yeah i didn't yeah. i didn't love my neighbor as myself and and i think it um i think it finds itself in a number of different ways right it may find itself in i need to believe the gospel but then also need to make sure and maintain some sort of uh social um activity right i need to do enough community involvement i need to right. care enough about whatever topic that I'm passionate about, foster care or poverty or uh, racial issues, all, all good things in and of themselves and all things that the, that the gospel um, gives implication to. But we then make it like I need to love Jesus, plus I need to make sure I'm maintaining this sort of regimen, right? Um, or it turns into um, I need to make sure I'm constantly satisfied in Christ. Like, am I satisfied in Jesus enough? Do I um, find enough hope? Is He my joy enough? Is my um, happiness enough in Him? Am I doing some sort of having enough energy and good vibes or joy or whatever? Um, and and it comes in with good intention, but then at the end of the day, you find yourself going, was I satisfied enough? Was I happy enough in Jesus? Did I find my joy enough in Jesus? Did I work hard enough and it's, to make sure he loved me? Yeah, and, it, and it's sending you at all times to look back on yourself, to navel gaze. And so my health as a Christian is entirely uh, self-diagnostic mm -hmm. of am I measuring up? And the truth is that none of us measure up. Right. None of us. None of us get there. Uh, I love the. I love the, the the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus gives this beautiful picture of two men who go up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. But before he tells it, it says he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Right. And that's not two different groups of people, right? Yeah. If I trust that in myself I'm righteous, that I'm the source of my righteousness, all my goodness flows from within my cotton candy unicorn rainbow heart, um, 
if I think that I'm the source of my righteousness, which is what self-righteousness is, if I think that I'm the source of my righteousness, then I will inevitably regard others with contempt. I will look down my nose at other people. And the same is true vice versa. If I am looking down my nose at other people or if I am treating others with contempt, I'm only doing it because I think that I'm cutting it. I think I'm the source of my righteousness. So the being assured of our pardon and being uh, confident that our good standing with God is based on the fact that he's good, not that we're good. When I get that, it should, the, the beauty of the gospel is that it, 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 it should make me more humble. It should make me love my neighbor more. It should make me not look down my nose at my struggling brother or sister, but that it should say, uh, there before the grace of God go I. And, yeah, and 100%, it should... 100%. 100%. I, yeah, I was thinking about a phone conversation I was having with a buddy of mine um, who, um, like many parents, uh, he's he's wrestling with a child that's moved out, you know, and kind of starting to face adulthood <laughs> and, and make some poor decisions and, and uh, make des- some decisions that you're watching them um, and you know how the consequences are going to outplay. Well, in this particular, they had one of those weeks where the consequences are kind of catching up mm-hmm. with the child, right? Um, and they are, were going to go and, and had she was coming to hang back out the house this, this week. And um, one of the things that we were talking about is you mentioned parables, the, the prodigal son, right? Um, because he was, he was talking about how he was going to handle the situation and what he was thinking. Uh, and he, and he even said, well, she can come back to the house, but there's going to be some, some understanding. There's going to be some conditions. Right. And I, and I heard that, right. Cause every good parent was like, Hey, at the end of the day, we set the rules that we set in our house and you got to be able to obey them. Right. But one of the things we kind of talked about is at the end of the day, this parable of the prodigal son, that you know what the father didn't do. The father didn't say, well, you can come back, boy, but you're going to start out in the farm with your brother. Or you can come back, but the first time that you're asking me for money again, there's going to be a problem, right? No, the father scandalously runs and grabs him. And even when the son tries to like muster up his his prepared speech, speech. right? He's like, shut that noise down. We're partying. You're back. You were dead, and now you're not, right? And so the the question that I can't kind of even pushed with him and 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 thought out with him together is. However you're treating your child, think to yourself, would the father treat me this way? And that's what assurance of pardon is all about, right? The the father isn't making a list and checking it twice with you. The list has been accomplished in Christ. The the father is lovingly, graciously um, drawing you to himself again and again and again because all the work's been done. So, Gage, when people hear this, if this is a new idea to them, they think... If everybody believed that way, you're going to have rampant immorality. You're going to have people are going to you can't you can't talk like that because then uh, people will go on sinning that grace may abound, as Paul says. What do you say to the person who hears that and just said, if if I thought that way, it would be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I can't I I don't want that kind of attitude in my church. People would. Uh, they just wouldn't get their their get their stuff together. They wouldn't they wouldn't straighten up and fly right. No, we need to we need to have a, a little bit of saber rattling 
so that we keep people on the straight and narrow. So unpack saber rattling. Saber rattling. Saber rattling is the idea uh, of uh, shaking. We need the sword always shaking over the person to keep them in line. Right. Uh, uh, the way that you uh, the way that you might um, walk the straight and narrow if you've got a gun pointed at your back. Yeah. So that's um, at, at the end of the day, that's justified um, by faith alone, but saved by works. Right. Like that's that's what you're doing. Inevitably, if you're saying. Uh, yeah, we brought them in by the gospel, but we need to keep them in by either fear or manipulation or fear of loss of salvation or whatever else. Um, then that's not the gospel, right? Like we're we're even our sanctification is is something that's developed in us by the Holy Spirit, right? It's not even something that that we do in and of ourselves. There's a there's a partnership, right? Like we're bearing fruit on a real level. We're living these things out. We're we're growing in grace. We're trying to be conformed to the image of, of Christ and all the things that that go into that Bible reading and and learning to love our neighbors and learning to care for our family and all the things that we actually physically are giving energy to. But at the end of the day, we're we're enabled. To, as the confession says, to to die unto sin and live unto righteousness, um, because of the Spirit, right? Um, so it's, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good good pleasure. Absolutely. Um, so, I, so I think if you you go there, you're either intentionally or maybe even unintentionally um, teaching your people that they're saved and kept by something else than than what brought them. In, in the first place. Uh, the, the other thing I think is if you hear the gospel um, and your your desire is, no, I think I'd rather continue sinning, then you, you're not saved, man. Like understanding the gospel, understanding the depth of what Christ has done for you um, at some level pushes you to say, hey, I, I, owe, it, I owe it to him to, to care, to worship to make him Lord, right? So are you, are you suggesting that once a person becomes a Christian, they don't sin anymore? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. What, so, what, what I am, am saying is um, the fear that our brothers would have of saying of preaching a, we rest in Christ alone, Christ has accomplished it, it's his, his righteousness, it's his fulfilling of the law, it's his perfect obedience that we're dependent upon, the fear that they have that that would push people to live lives of licentiousness, right? Um, that, um, if they were going to do that, they were going to do that anyway. Um, the other side of that, and this kind of goes back to your, your conversation about navel gazing and looking at other people, we all, if we're honest with ourselves, no one's going to say, I perfectly do everything, right? Um, but the thing we are going to say is, I'm not as bad as this guy, right? Right, and that, that's that. That's that Pharisee tax, tax collector. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other men. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not. Dot 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 dot. Yeah, right. We, we can always find somebody who's not doing as well as we are. Right. Um, so, at the end of the day, understanding your um, sin, understanding who you are um, outside of Christ, and then who you are inside of Christ, frees you to say. Hey, I'm I'm not going to get it. I'm going to fail, um, but that doesn't mean I, I've lost it all. That doesn't mean that um, God's love for me is conditional. Uh, that's why even in the the liturgy, 
Um, things are placed the way they're placed for a reason, right? We corporately confess our sins, and then we're hurt. We hear the assurance of pardon, right? right? Um, we hear the assurance of pardon, and then we hear an exhortation to holiness. So this is this is new for. Uh, uh, hopefully, this is new for a lot of people who have who've never attended a. Uh, a, a church service that is liturgical. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't grow up in a, um, I didn't grow up in a Presbyterian context. Yeah, I didn't and, either. And so, like most people in in uh, in our context, they they're from a maybe a, a Baptist or a broader evangelical context. And so, this idea of uh, everybody standing for a call to worship, uh, a responsive reading, a uh, a corporate confession of sin. Um, it, it sounds it sounds Roman Catholic. It sounds sure. like something uh, that m- maybe we should move away from. It's really, really different. But what we're hoping to talk about on this podcast in future episodes is why would we do a liturgy? We want to talk about why we preach the way that we preach. We want to talk about uh, why we sing the songs that we sing and why we don't sing certain songs and why we do sing certain songs. Um, what we believe about what preaching should look like, what we believe about what sanctification, growing into the image of likeness of Christ looks like. We're going to unpack all of those things and hopefully give people uh, a way of thinking about the Christian life and church and preaching and Bible reading and growing in, in grace. Hopefully give people a way of thinking about that they haven't heard before that they'll find refreshing um, you know, nobody believes anything that they that they think is untrue, and, and we we are passionately, radically committed to this vision of understanding uh, why we do church the way that we do it, uh, because we ultimately have experienced uh, the freedom that comes from. We it. believe right. that hearing the gospel is uh, week after week, hearing the gospel, uh, being served the the the, the Lord's supper. Uh, with with frequency, we actually believe that's actually what changes people. That um, in a very counterintuitive way, that sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing. Uh, that the that the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually what sanctifies people. That it grows us in our faith. It helps us hate our sin more, and it helps us love Jesus more. And so, throughout what we're hoping to accomplish. Uh, in the coming episodes on assurance of pardon is to talk through what it means to be assured of our pardon and and how that impacts everything that we do. So thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes to uh, listen to us uh, rattle ramble on a little bit about various things in the church and what gospel centrality means. And we hope you'll uh, uh, subscribe and join us next time on assurance of pardon. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.